Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I am here on this great Father's Day to do what I always do every week. And this week, I'm doing it again, which is to bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. Today, I have with me uh, Gerald, commonly known as Tom Johnston. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie. Uh, uh, Thanks for having me. Well, those of you who have been listening to the show know that we've had Tom on the show before because he has talked about breastfeeding and military families. And so today, uh, and happy happy Father's Day, Tom. Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. It's great to be. I, I love this day. It's always so much fun. Well, that's the first myth that I want to bust, Tom. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that maybe people know a little bit about you, but in case they don't, here's the myth. Tom Johnston is just a guy speaking from a textbook. He doesn't have any children of his own. Is that a myth? Absolutely a myth, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I have eight children. Um, and I actually, um, uh, uh, very, very soon, I'm going to be um, uh, baptizing um, my third and fourth godchild. So that'll oh, take me up my. to 12 altogether. Oh, my. So you've been around <laughs> the block a time or two here. Hey, Tom, tell me this. Uh, it just kind of, I think for many parents, fathers as well as mothers who might be listening, just the thought of parenting eight children is kind of overwhelming. Uh, (laughs) What's your secret to success? You know, I get that question a lot. And I I guess it's because everybody, you know, takes what they have and they assume, what would it be like if I had eight children tomorrow? That's not the way it worked. You know, (laughs) I I get one child at a time every couple of years and just kind of gradually add it on. Um, And so, uh, you know, I and I always tell people that after three, you just stop counting. Four (laughs) is the same as eight. It's the same number. You know, it's really not any difference at all. Um, The you know, the first baby is really tough because you have to reorganize your entire life. Second baby, not so bad because you're kind of in that parent mode and just adding a little bit more. The third child is actually the toughest one because um, you you now have more attackers than you have defenders. (laughs) So you have to go to like a zone defense on that third child. (laughs) But once you work out the zone defense, four, five, eight, they're all the same number. It doesn't matter. Your car gets bigger. You know, you have to go to the full size van from the minivan, but it's all the same. I'm inspired, Tom. That's all I can say. Now, I am I am past childbearing age, so trust me, I'm not going to be doing this. But <laughs> uh, I think that people feel very frightened by the idea of having a large family. And yet, when I was a kid, there were a lot of large families. And now, um, not so much so. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know why there aren't more families um, that are bigger. Well, uh, I, I, I think that people really think they can't do it, Tom. I think they... 
they really believe that. They get through the first one or two and they think, man, I am done here. It's a wonder I got through this. I'm shutting it off. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think you know, that it takes a lot of confidence for one thing. Sure. You know, I actually stumbled on uh, some research on this topic that um, mothers who have three children have significantly more stress in their life than mothers who have four children. Now, once you break oh. through that number three to four barrier, it becomes a whole lot easier. Um, the researchers, they, they blame the fact that um, women in the first three children still hold to this romanticized fantasy notion of what parenting oh. is. Yeah. Whereas once you destroy those myths, then it becomes a whole lot easier. So I think that, you know, it's really easy to have four children than it is to have three. Uh, not very long ago, I was helping a woman who was on her seventh baby. And... You know, she said to me, oh, she says, this isn't so bad at all. You know, yeah, I got this little breastfeeding blip here, but we're going to solve that. And all the you know, and she, she's just kind of like, oh, you know, all this stuff is solvable. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is a great attitude. Right. So, but anyway, we're going to talk about breastfeeding today, although that was really good, Tom. So, <laughs> so here's a myth that I think is really important because I get this both in the research, the results of the research, I should say, as well as in real life. Uh, fathers, the, the myth is that fathers can't interact or bond with their babies uh, if, if they're not allowed to feed their baby. You know, it's kind of like if, if you can't sure. feed, then, well, you know, you're kind of left out. Uh, is this a myth or a fact? I think it's a myth. You know, um, I, I I totally get it. You know, we put a lot of effort into feeding babies, and we we talk a lot when we talk about mothers about how wonderful and beautiful it is to feed your baby and that bond that you get. But I remind my I remind uh, the dads that I work with that you know that I really like um, um, hamburgers. But I don't know the name of the kid behind the counter who hands me my food. I don't love him at all, you know. And and so the person who's feeding me is not the person I love. It's the I love the people who hold me close, who cuddle with me, who make eye contact and say sweet things to me. That's where the love comes from. And when mm-hmm. we when we treat breastfeeding as 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 the only source of love that you can offer a child, we're really kind of selling ourselves short. You know, and I, I joke with dads that, you know, babies only eat like 20, 30 minutes at a time, 8 to 12 times a day. Altogether, they're using up somewhere between like 4 and 8 hours of the day. The other 16 hours a day, that baby is ready to be loved on. And he mm. doesn't have to be loved on by somebody who has breasts. He can be loved on by anybody. And so um, I, tell, I joke with dads that, you know, if 16 hours a day is, is, is not enough time for you, then you've got need. You're a needy person. <laughs> You know, 16 hours a day is plenty of time. I love it. I love it. And, and, you know, I think that often we talk about breastfeeding as though it is food. And I'll give it to you. It is food, but it's not just food. True. So I, I think we've kind of done a good job of selling human milk, not necessarily of selling breastfeeding or human interaction. And, and breastfeeding is a lot bigger than just food. I, I love your story about the guy that's behind the counter hold, handing you the hamburger, you know? Right, exactly. It, 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 you know, I, I think we sell breastfeeding short. I think we, th- we sell parenting short when we talk mm-hmm. about all babies do is, is eat and sleep. You know that is not what they do. They they can't um, they can't sleep if they're not being held. You know they need to be loved on twenty four seven, and so I and I I joke with my dads that you know it it takes two people to make a baby for a reason. 
because those suckers are hard work the first few months of life. <laughs> and, you know, you got to work as a team. You know, it's a two to one thing for a reason. Those things, they need both people, mom and dad. Now, for, for those of you who are listening, Tom and I did not rehearse this ahead of time, but I can tell you my husband has a, a famous last line. It is uh, that parenting is a two-person job by design. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's so true. It's it's a team. And actually, there actually is some research out there that talks about that, that team approach. But I think that uh, it's really very, as you said, short-sighted that we think that it's just, uh, if, if you're not feeding them, then you aren't doing anything, or you aren't doing anything fun, or you're, you aren't doing anything important. So, Tom, the, another one that I think comes up is the fathers don't have any impact on the baby's breastfeeding experience. That what fathers say or think doesn't matter. Mothers are the ones, you know, doing the, the job. It's a DIY thing uh, for uh, the mother. But I know that that's not what you think. You talk about allies. So, well, you so know, t- that- tell us the truth here. Sure. There may have been a time when that was true, when uh, parenting was entirely a mother's job and nurturing was entirely a mother's job. But that's not the case anymore. Um, you know, we've uh, we've come to a point now where we expect uh, uh, fathers to be more involved, and unfortunately, we don't bother to prepare them for it. But we expect them to be involved. Um, and uh, and, and um, there's a, a lot of really good evidence that shows that mothers actively seek out their 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 partners. Um, um, input on this and you know and so it, it we used to say that you know if dad wants mom to breastfeed mom is more likely to breastfeed uh, and that is very true I mean imagine trying to breastfeed uh, over the objection of your husband you know I don't think that would go very well uh, right. but it's uh, but it's moved even further than that to where now their mothers are asking fathers what do you think what do you want you know what do what do you know um, and you know are you prepared to help me that kind of thing and so and and there's a, a quite a few phenomenologic studies showing um, that mothers are frustrated that um, that they want their husband to be more actively engaged but that the healthcare providers are not engaged Engaging them, mm. um, they're mm. still working under the old the old stereotype that that men are to be seen and not heard. Uh, that they just sit quietly in the corner if they bother to come at all. And and that I think is really where we're falling down on the job. Um, I think that dads want to be involved. I think that moms want dads to be involved. I think that healthcare providers are not doing a good job of inviting dads in. Um, yeah. And for those of you who don't remember, I just want to say Tom is not pointing a finger at uh, healthcare providers in a general way. Tom is a certified nurse midwife, and so he's sort of pointing a finger at himself. Although I'm sure that Tom actually does invite them into the conversation. <laughs> but you know, I, Tom, I think that's true. I'm just enough older than you are that uh, Tom. I realize you're still 29, but anyway. Uh, you know, in my day, it was not terribly uncommon for the fathers to just be stuck in the waiting room. And when the birth was all over, you know, then it's like, oh, go down to the waiting room and get dad. And so he was totally not part of the birthing process. And then somehow we didn't make that leap from getting him into the birthing process to getting him into the breastfeeding process from the get-go. And you're right. I don't think that we do very well at at teaching him or cluing him in. So yeah, we we want him to be involved. 
I think some of us even know that it's important that he be involved. I'm not sure that we're as as keen on actually helping him to make that involvement. So whereas uh, we might say, oh, go to Lamaze or go to Bradley or whatever and learn learn the techniques to support your wife for, for birthing. You know, I think we've done somewhat okay with that, but we haven't done as well really with let's help this dad to actually see how he can spend those next 16 hours when the baby is not eating. And so I think that they they really don't have much perspective here. So, hey, Good everybody, do, do not go away because when Tom and I come back, we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about uh, fathers being part of that decision-making and uh, also what fathers really can do. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Tom Johnston. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my guest, certified nurse midwife, Tom Johnston. Tom, before we went to break, uh, we were talking about fathers being left out. And I truly believe that there are some who want to be left out, but I don't think that's the case for for most men. So I I know that you have some stories that you tell about the stork room. Can you tell the audience your your stork room stories? Well, certainly. So back in uh, uh, post-World War II days, um, when dads would come to the hospital, drop their wife off, and and, uh, wait for the baby to be born somewhere else, a lot of dads wouldn't go anywhere. They would stay there in the hospital. The hospitals created these rooms for them, these little lounges called stork rooms. And in some of them, they would keep journals. There's a wonderful book called Birth by Tina Cassidy where she uh, quotes some of these journals. And they're so very sad because they tell the story of, of fathers who are anxiously pacing back and forth, smoking a pack of cigarettes, terrified that they're that they're that they're, the woman that they love is in in labor and both mom and baby could die and it was a very frightening time um, and the most poignant of which uh, is one where the a, a man was alone and he said uh, um, something to the effect of I'm holding a lonely vigil um, for for the baby um, not but God and myself are here. And it was it it just it it really almost moves me to tears every time I think about you know yes I get it you know mom is laboring and it's it's hard work and but there's a whole team of people supporting her and there's nobody supporting dad you know right. so yes he's going through an awful lot too although most people wouldn't recognize it but he is um, and that moves on when it comes to birth you know or when it comes to breastfeeding if you've been through any childbirth classes in the last 30 years you spend the entire class worrying about how to get the baby out of the birth canal right. and if you're lucky you spend an hour talking about breastfeeding now it's labor lucky. only yeah it only lasts you know <laughs> 12 to 48 hours. Parenting lasts for 18 to 25 years, and mm-hmm. most people are just not prepared for that when the time comes, especially not fathers. We don't babysit when we're young. Um, we don't. Uh, we don't take care of other people's children. We don't take care of our mother's children. Where we have very little or no experience to babies. And then at birth, we like to make fun of f- husbands who don't know what they're doing. Well, gee, <laughs> we never taught them, did we? No, we we you gave know? them trucks to play with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We didn't, we didn't invite them into the prenatal visits. We didn't no, talk okay. to them during the prenatal visits. We just ignore them completely and expect them to magically know this stuff. And, you know, yeah. of course, that doesn't happen. Few of us actually magically know things, that's for sure. Right. So, so Tom, how about this, though? Uh, another myth is that if fathers wanted to talk about this stuff, they, the fathers, would bring it up. Is the, I think that's a myth. What do you think? It, I absolutely agree. Men are not allowed to say the word breast or breastfeeding. Oh, uh, we're not allowed to, exactly. We're not allowed to talk about boobies. We're just yeah, not. Yeah. 
You know, right. they don't exist for us. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I'm doing. Uh, I, I, I recently um, presented for the Gold Conference, which is a global oh, yeah. online lactation discussion, and I got a pre-warning email from somebody who said she's been following my work for years, uh, but the title of my talk uh, upset her. Because oh. <laughs> uh, the talk is was uh, the the maternal child microbiome, or the orobubular axis, and <laughs> hearing a man say boob was was uh, was offensive to her. I so, see. if a man is not allowed to use the b word, how is he allowed to enter into the breastfeeding discussion? Well, you know that's funny because very frequently in the summer. At our office, we hire a college kid to come in and do, as my office manager says, administrative grunt work. You know, things to mm-hmm. pack and paper to shred, that sort of thing. And so, uh, I think it was last summer, we hired a young man, and we'd always had a young woman. And I said to him, I said, okay, usually our college person does not have to answer the phone. But if you have to answer the phone, will you be able to get the B word out of your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> now, there you go. Understand, this young man is studying to be a nurse practitioner. And well, he certainly uh, should be prepared. That's what he said. He said, well, I guess if I'm going to be a nurse practitioner, I'm going to have to get the B word out of my mouth sooner or later. So if I need to do it on the phone in your office, I- I'm up for it. I said, okay, just checking. Good but stuff. It, it was really, uh, I, 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 suspected that might be uncomfortable for him. Of course, I also asked him how he'd feel about working with a bunch of women that were old enough to be his mother. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I I do think that uh, we sort of assume that because the father doesn't bring it up, that therefore it's not important to him or he can't participate in the conversation. But honestly, uh, we can't just wait for dad to bring it up. That's... I don't know about you, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Am I right? Exactly. And it, most of the time it won't. You know, my experience has been that husbands will uh, will join the prenatal visit, um, uh, oftentimes being, you know, dragged there by their by their Get spouse. Dragged. But yes. but some are, you know, are generally interested. I'm always amazed at my colleagues who assume that if the man is interested, there's somehow something wrong with him for being interested. You get this a lot with, with Bradley dads. Oh, right. um, that they, they, they assume dad is overbearing, maybe even abusive, because he's involved in the childbirth and he, you know, dares to want to make decisions, you know, and I, I, I tell him you're not really being very fair. You know, you, you want him to be involved, but only on your terms, your terms. not on his terms, <laughs> you know. All right. So, you know, if, if you're going to invite dad in, you have to take him seriously when you do. And so when I do a visit with my families, I, 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 I always start after the brief introduction with um, tell me what you know about breastfeeding. And then I turn to dad and say, tell me what you know about breastfeeding. And I want input from both of them. And that's going to tell me where I'm going to go on the next step. But I think you it's been my experience. You have to you have to uh, it, that's a conversation that you have to you have to make happen. It right. doesn't happen naturally. Um, just right. like conversations about sex do not happen right. naturally. You have <laughs> right. to make them happen. Um, people have questions, but they're unwilling to talk about it. And I, I, I think that, you know, when we start talking about breasts, we have to get past that barrier that, you know, in Western society, we use breasts to sell beer and sports cars and that they're not meant for feeding babies. And so we have to break through that, that, that sound barrier, so to speak, um, when we talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very valuable. 
Tom, you you just led me right into a great question, which is that's another one of those myths. Breasts are for the father, not for the baby. Now, we got to talk about this because this has been my experience. I found that some fathers just flat out tell me that. Uh, those mm-hmm. are for me, not for the baby. And other fathers don't say that, but they give off those vibes, and I kind of have to figure it out. So let's say, let's just say that you get those vibes or the father just flat out tells you those things are for me, not for the baby. How do you respond to that? Well, I usually like to use humor, and it depends on how well I know the guy when I start sure. making these jokes. I can become I can become extremely vulgar, or I can just kind of, you know, pass it off kind of slightly. And I say I, I say things to the effect of, well, you know, gee whiz, Dad, you know, have you ever heard of a mammal? You know, the reason that we call ourselves mammals as humans right. is because we feed our babies from our mammary gland. The, the only reason a woman has breasts is to, is to feed her baby, that right. they're not here to sell beer and sports cars. <laughs> and, you know, I recognize that you like them. They're pretty curvy looking. And, you know, the guys are visually focused. They like to look at things. I get that. But, you know, those aren't really for you. You've just been borrowing them until <laughs> the baby got here. But this is all. These are, you know, these are mommy's breasts and they are here for the baby. Not for daddy. Um, philosophically, I love to tell the story about, you know, the only reason that men find curvy women attractive is that, you know, from the hunter-gatherer days, a woman who had decent-sized hips and nice breasts uh, or nice-sized breasts were more likely to survive childbirth and be able to successfully raise the child. And so those characteristics ah. became sought after, just like uh, the reason that women like men with broad shoulders, you right. know, is because they could kill the mastodon more efficiently, you know. And so those traits became sought after because they were survival skills. I think it's ironic that now we look at those very same traits and we take that out of it and we, we've taken the whole function away from it and say that the breasts are here to be sex toys instead of what they're actually intended to do. I just, I, I think it's an, an interesting irony. That is a really, yeah, I really never thought about that, but you're right. I, my, I'm putting on my labor and delivery hat here for a moment, and I'm thinking about those hips, that curviness, and uh, I'm thinking about Certainly, larger breasts do not make more milk. That that's just not true. But, but truly, uh, I guess I'm thinking of if you've got breasts that are truly not functional, then you would have not been able to. And there are very few women that have that situation. But you know, it's certainly possible. It's sure. unlikely, but it's possible. But honestly, most of those women have died out for the the whole survival of the species, as you've just addressed. And so I guess I'm thinking to myself, okay, it is visually appealing, but yeah, originally it was a survival trait. And you're right, women do like men with broad shoulders. Shoot, I just saw one on TV the other night. And I'm thinking, oh, hmm, what a hunk, you know? Yep. And and so it's interesting how we've kind of come full circle with that. And uh, I, I just got to, I, I can't resist telling this story. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Pamela Schrock, and I'm saying S-C-H-R-O-C-K. Now, Tom, she probably uh, was way before your time. But anyway, she was a very popular psychologist, and I saw her in person one time. And somebody from the audience spoke up, and she said, so Dr. Schrock, what about breasts? Are breasts for the baby or are breasts for men? And with her cute little British accent, 
Dr. Pamela Schrock said, oh, neither one. She said, breasts are for us. I (laughs) I just got the biggest charge out of that because she really did address the ownership of breasts, the pleasurableness that 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 breasts can bring to the woman, but she totally sidestepped that whole thing about who the breasts belong to, you know? Right. So anyway, hey, look, at, we have got to take a break, but uh, I know that you talk about how to talk to fathers with boy talk, and when we come back, we're going to talk about boy talk. Don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And I have with me today Tom Johnston, who's had plenty to say on this Father's Day about being a father and also talking about bringing fathers into that conversation and making them part of that decision-making Uh about about the breastfeeding. And I think that Tom pretty well established that you've got to invite the, the father into the conversation. But Tom, I think there's another myth that we haven't talked about. And this is one that I also have experienced, which is some people think, and I'm going to say some people as in healthcare providers, mothers, aunts, grandmothers, whoever, think that the way that you talk to fathers about breastfeeding is the same as you talk to mothers about breastfeeding. Myth or fact? Oh, I think it's absolutely myth. Um, okay. You know, the, um, I recently uh, um, wrote a paper um, talking about uh, uh, how we educate fathers. Um, and one of the things that I point out was that uh, the research is fairly clear that the male retina is designed for tracking movement whereas Ooh. the female retina is designed for uh, uh, tracking detail and color. Um, and Ooh. you see that in your, everyday, um, in your everyday work with people that, you know, uh, a woman will focus on a pattern or will focus on a color or that's a beautiful blouse or whatever. Yeah. Men don't. And if you ever spend any time with little boys, uh, you find that they're always looking out the window. Um, they're not looking out the window dreaming wistfully about how beautiful the summer day is. They're looking out the window because something just moved out there and <laughs> you were not moving and they saw something move. It's the typical squirrel thing, right? You know, I, you're trying I, to pay attention to the kid and all of a sudden you go, squirrel, because something moved <laughs> over there. Okay. And uh, um, so, you know, when I teach uh, my, my college classes, I always make sure that I have a little blend of both. I've got a nice, I've got slides that have detail on them with colors that people can watch, but I also move back and forth while I'm doing it because I recognize there is a gender difference in learning. The same thing goes with language that, you know, um, that men uh, tend to be uh, very much fight or flight focused. They love competition. They love to, to show what they know and to demonstrate mastery, whereas women tend to be more, um, more focused on pleasing and m- making sure that everyone's emotional needs are met. People so, pleasers. Yeah, yep. so when, you, when, you, when you're teaching men and you talk about how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is and how baby is so wonderful to hold and makes your heart skip a beat, that works really well for mothers but it, there's no competition, there's no fight or flight, there's nothing f- to hold the man's interest. With the man, you have to be far more, far more um, practical. Um, what do you need to do? How do you need to do it? What are the things you're looking for to make sure it's okay? You know, what 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 concrete things can you do? Certainly, men have emotions, um, but we would much rather learn something so that we can demonstrate mastery of it than to listen about how wonderful your emotions are. Um, oh, and so, so true. I think it's very important that we, we, we engage fathers using the language that fathers are used to using. So, you know, it's about what does he need to accomplish, how can he provide, those kind of things um, I think are far more useful. And I like to use analogy and humor when I do it. I think that telling a few good jokes about it makes it a lot better. 
Tom, um, we're it, listening for those jokes. Can oh, you, you want some jokes? Oh, sure. I do. So, I do. Oh my I goodness. Do. So I'm always. Uh, I I love to tell about. Um, like so, I work in a military population, and so I tell all my dads that the army teaches you how to breastfeed in basic training. That um, it's a basic combat skill. Every soldier <laughs> masters it long before they graduate. And by this time, I've got dad really confused. And I remind him, it's plain old basic rifle marksmanship. Breastfeeding a baby and firing an M16 uh, rifle is the exact same thing. You just line up your front and rear sight post, usually pointing at my head, shoulders, and torso. And then I say, if there's a problem, you pull on your charging handle. And I pull on my chin to show that that's the baby's charging handle. There's an acronym we use in the military for, for a weapons malfunction called sports, slap, pull, observe, release, tap, shoot. And that's how we, how we fix a weapon that's, gone, that's malfunctioned. And I tell them it's the same thing on the baby. Slap, don't slap, support. Put your hand on the baby's back, press him toward the breast. Pull, reach in between the chin and the breast and pull out on his chin or his charging handle. Observe, do the cheeks puff out, the jaw open up, does pain go away? Release, let him go and let him suck again. Tap, try again. If it doesn't work after three or four taps, then shoot, you got a hopeless double feed. You're going to need to drop your magazine, clear the chamber, reload, put that sucker back together again. And you would be amazed how dads respond to that. They go, oh my God, I get it. I know what you're talking about now. And moms just look at me with this this strange look on her face because they have no idea what I'm talking about. But dads are jumping up and down so excited because now they get it. You know, um, there's also a wonderful analogy out there at a 24-hour cribside assistance, which is a a Canadian father's. Yep, cribside instead of curbside. Exactly. And um, it's uh, it's a Canadian website, and it uses a car analogy. They talk about fuel consumption, performance, exhaust, maintenance, um, um, uh, uh, what's under the hood. They talk about all these things, but they use it from a car analogy, and they teach dads breastfeeding and parenting through a car analogy. So so um, it it has to be focused on – on, um, on, on tasks that can be formed. It has to be focused on skills that they can master. Um, and if you want to engage dads, uh, you need to do that kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm sorting through my own brain as you're talking here because I'm thinking about my husband who has uh, a master's degree in physics. So, you know, he's very uh, able to... Uh, Sure. Look at at the task, and he is very oriented towards that movement stuff and all of it. I mean, he's just. Well, you might really enjoy this one then. I always teach dads to measure the angle of the jaw from nose to ear to chin. And I say, Dad, you're going to love this because you can measure something. Take your fingers, make a V out of them, and put them on the baby's face and measure that angle. Touch his nose and his chin together and see what that angle is. That angle should be at least 60 degrees, but 90 degrees is better. And so dad's like, Oh my gosh, something to measure. This is wonderful this is wonderful we love to measure stuff you know well and you know so often tom we talk about uh meeting people where they're at but sometimes where they're at is being able to as you say use boy talk i i I, i'm Mm -hmm. I'm amazed Mm -hmm. just yeah totally boy talk you know one of my favorite things to do is i i travel and i teach nurses how to teach dads how to breastfeed and i tell them the big problem is that you're not boy lingual you don't speak boy i speak boy i'm pretty good at it you know it's my natural language and i had to learn how to speak girl in order to become a nurse midwife so i'm pretty good at being a girl at being using girl language but i'm also very good i'm naturally fluent in boy and so uh, i try to teach them you know 
boy being bilingual, and it's things like this about using humor, using analogy, about concrete examples, things you can do, things you can measure, things that you can check off a list. That those tend to appreci- those tend to appeal to men more than than um, how beautiful the baby's eyelashes are and what color. I'm always amazed when moms ask me about what color the baby's eyes are going to be. I will tell you, as a man, I haven't the foggiest. I don't care at all what color the baby's eyes are going to be. You know, mom has a has a, a fantasy notion of her baby long before the baby is born. And you, that, that's a useful tool, by the way. I use it when I do my labor support um, because it's a good visualization, visualization. technique. Yep. But I, 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 dad, yes, dad, what's he going to look like? He goes, oh, I don't know, something like me, I guess. That's all because right. we're not visual. We're not focused that way. We're not. We're not thinking. We don't care what color his eyes are. We don't care whose nose he has. You know. Right. <laughs> we're, so we're, we're far more interested in the practical aspects of 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 what can I do to make it better. That's what we want to do. You know, we're we're a doer. We want to. You know, it's like um. Don't tell me your problem if I can't help you solve the problem. Right. Oh yes. Because oh, men yes. like men like to solve problems. They like, like to be doers. And so this is a, a wonderful opportunity when you're talking to dads where you say, hey, I want to talk to you. You know, I want to teach you what you can do. And the big thing I tell them is no matter what happens, I won't be there at 3 o'clock in the morning to help you solve your breastfeeding problems. Okay, mom, when you roll over in that bed, you're going to have your husband there, not anybody at this hospital. So he needs <laughs> right. to learn how to take care of the baby just like you do. You know, because no dad wants to be there at three o'clock in the morning, completely clueless, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, they want to solve the problem. You just got to teach them how. Tom, along with that, give us some practical tips of things that fathers can do other than just uh, support the mother. I mean, supporting the mother is is critical, but but some hands-on things, because uh, my perception is that fathers would rather do fun things with the baby can you can you give us some tips there? Well, sure. So you know, when it, first of all, when it comes to breastfeeding, I teach dads how to solve a bad latch. Talking about repositioning, talking about pulling the chin, that kind of thing. But yeah. the other thing that dads can do when we're not talking about feeding is dads have a magical tool that mom doesn't have. It's called an Adam's apple. When we speak, our deep voice rumbles in our chest. And if you put a naked baby on your naked skin and talk to them in a nice deep voice, they'll bury into dad's chest and go, oh, this feels so good. Uh-huh. Because it's a full body massage. Babies <laughs> love things that are rhythmic and vibrating. They do. So we put them on dad's chest and dad will, they'll bury in there and fall in love with dad's chest. In my family, my wife always did the breastfeeding, but I always put the babies to bed. It was my job to put the babies to bed every night, and I would sing them their lullaby, and there was, was a special lullaby. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. There was a special lullaby only for that child, and I sung that song only to that child, and I would just sing uh-huh. it over and over again every single night, and I, that's how I put them to bed. And so I was the one who established a bedtime routine and uh, put the baby to bed. Um, uh, and it, it, it's what's neat is now, 20 years later, the kids recognize their bedtime, their, their lullabies, because I always pick soccer popular songs of the day, like a, a Billy Joel or an Elton John or a Disney movie song or something like that. So they'll hear it and it makes them stop and go, oh, there's that song again. And sometimes they don't know why they're doing it, but they always respond to it. It is very neat. But that was that wow. that's that's dad that's that was my special bonding time with babies growing up was I would I would put them to bed and 
you know, I've got about three dozen pictures or so of me sleeping with the babies on my chest because they put me asleep as well <laughs> as I put them to sleep, you know. Um, and so that's that's a something that I always remind dads that, you know, mom has breasts and they're amazing, um, but they mommies always smell like breast milk. And so right. if you put a baby to mom's chest, the baby will naturally root. They don't root on dad very much. You know, you put baby on dad's chest and it doesn't confuse him. He, if he's not hungry, he won't go anywhere near the breast because he just wants to cuddle with dad. That doesn't happen with a mom. With a mom, every time she cuddles, the baby wants to breastfeed because he smells breast milk. And, and so, so there you there you go, fathers. You've already found out some real cool things to do. And I love just, the part about the singing. That's just, just terrific. One more thing. Remember that baby can't tell mom's nipples from dad's nipples. <laughs> but dad has to, he has to wear pasties or something because the baby will find his nipples. <laughs> Too funny. Hey, everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed, where we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding every week. And if you have uh, questions, please send your questions to radio at Born to be Breastfed. That's radio at born to be breastfed.com. And if I can't answer your question, I'm sure that I can pass it along to my guest today, Tom Johnston, or to past guests. We'd love to hear from you. So, Tom, a lot of times mothers tell me, and eons ago there was this great study that kind of proved this, and I always like it when research lines up with my clinical experience. A lot of times mothers tell me what fathers think, and in fact, sometimes that's actually not what fathers think. It's just what mothers think fathers think. (laughs) (laughs) So very true. Talk talk to us about that, because I think that's a myth. I don't think that mothers really do know what fathers think unless they've had that conversation. I, I don't think so either. I think that um, I think that uh, the, those wonderful women's magazines have made millions of dollars over the years trying to figure out what men think and trying to <laughs> t- trying to tell women what men think or how to find out what men think. And you know, I I I, I think men are pretty darn simple most of the time. But <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that the average wife knows what her husband's thinking. I love the story of the nothing box. Are you familiar with the nothing box? No, no. Tell us about it. Oh, so the nothing box. You know. In, in in inside of a woman's mind, there's never a, a, there's never a gap. There's constant activity. It's always how does this interact with that? What does this do? What does that do? Why are we doing this? Why is this? And the mind just constantly is a jumble uh, of activity, and it's it's electrically charged with em- and emotional. Um, and I'm a woman, and I definitely know I do that. Yes, it's, I, I love to listen to my wife talk because she just goes on and on and on and on and on. And I'm thinking, well, how do you manage to tie your shoes with this much activity going on in your brain? My wife is a genius, and but I don't know how she organizes her thoughts because to me, I have no idea what she's trying to get accomplished. Um, in a man's brain, we have these boxes, and everything is organized nice and neatly in a box. We open the box. We go inside for what we want. We put the lid back on the box. We put it aside. And Everything is neatly organized, and we go from one subject to another subject in our boxes. But the magic, we have a magical box called the nothing box. And the nothing box, there's literally nothing in it. We (laughs) open that box, we climb inside, we put the lid down on top of us, and we sit in our nothing box. And in our nothing box, there's no sound. There's no activity. There's absolutely nothing. Whenever you look at a man and he's got this this faraway look, this blank stare on his face, and you say, what are you thinking? And he says, nothing. Nothing. He actually means it. <laughs> now, my wife thinks that I'm lying when I say nothing 
because she can't comprehend the idea that there is no thought going into my head. But if you could be in my head, you would just hear wind. You would just hear like, <laughs> there would be absolutely nothing going on. And so, you know, I, I think that if she can't tell when there's nothing going on, she probably doesn't know when there is something going on either. And so I, I, I very all the time, um, I think that, that men get in trouble because their 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 partners think they know what they're thinking, but they really don't, and they think that they're lying an awful lot. When really we're very simple people, but um, I think that uh, that moms need to have the conversation with dads about breastfeeding. I think that she needs to find that information out, and I think that dads need to be invited to tell what they think about breastfeeding uh, in an open and honest way. I, you know. There's the politically correct line that men have to say when they talk about breasts, uh, which is not necessarily what they really mean. I think that there are there are definitely men who will say things like, those are my breasts. And, you know, that's quite chauvinistic and not appropriate. But there's an awful lot of dads who have questions like, are her breasts going to leak when we have sex? Um, does I, she have to wear a bra? What happens if I play with her breast during sex? Am I, I going to get milk all over me? You know, and, you maybe. Know, <laughs> there are, yeah, the answer is yes. You know? and so, so dads, you know, the dads have these questions, but they, how do you ask? How does a man sit in a room with a midwife and his wife and talk about having sex and talk about breasts in that situation? They really right. can't. You know, and so moms need to, 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 to recognize that dads are going to have natural barriers and that they won't, they might not talk about with the midwife ever, and that's okay, but they'll need to take that message back and have open and honest conversations. I always think it's fun when mom, when dad asks a question to mom privately and mom doesn't have an answer, she'll come to me with her husband and ask the question. And dad will be like, oh, geez, you didn't ask him that question. (laughs) And she's like, well, we have to know. And, you know, and so then I can have that conversation with him. It might be easier because I'm a man and they expect me to want to talk about sex. But I think that uh, all uh, women's health providers um, are pretty well versed in how to handle these questions. Um, You know, we're really not gender focused. We're not really men or women. We really are healthcare providers. You know, I I would agree. People ask me a lot about what it's like being a man and being a midwife, and I say it's just like being a woman and being a midwife. I'm so people ask me all the time what it's like being a man and being a midwife, and I tell them it's just like being a woman and being a midwife. You know, it's not really my gender that is the issue. It's that I'm a woman's health nurse practitioner who focuses on um, on who specializes on birth, and that my gender really isn't a part of it at all uh, when it comes to that. So. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's how that works best. Yeah, I mean, there are certain topics that you have to cover, whether you're a man or a woman. There are certain tasks you have to perform. Catheterizing a man is different than catheterizing a woman, but I promise you I can do both. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just a matter of it's part of your responsibility. You do what you got to do, and, you know, there you are. So, hey, everybody, it's really been way, way, way too much fun to talk with Tom Johnston. For those of you who might not know, I have known Tom for, uh, I would say probably 20 years. Yeah, probably 20 years here. Uh, But anyway, it's always fun to have him back. And I would like to thank him and wish him a very happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Marie. Thanks for having me. And happy Father's Day out there to all the dads out there who are listening today, whether this is your first or your 20th. Happy Father's Day to you. All righty, then. Um, as you know, that's all the time that we have today. But before we sign off, uh, I would like to remind you that we will be here next week 
busting the myths and clarifying the facts, and I would like to invite you to uh, uh, come and hear us then. I'll have a different guest, okay? And if you're interested in books or other media that was mentioned on this show or previous shows, check out our Amazon store. Now, how do you do that? Well, just visit me at borntobebreastfed.com, and you'll see it. Again, that's Born to be Breastfed for the books and media or my blog or anything else uh, that might be interesting. Be sure to check out our Facebook page. Now, if you liked the show, if you liked me or if you liked Tom, well, I hope you liked Tom. <laughs> you might not like me. Uh, feel free to uh, push that button that says like and feel free to leave a question for me or for Tom or any of our guests And if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and much more are at my professional website, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.